What's happening? What's going on? How's everybody doing? It's Jay Scott, and it is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. We always appreciate when you stop by and give us a listen. Please don't forget to write us a five-star review when you're done. We do appreciate the feedback. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts, including the official Metallica podcast. So please check that out on pantheonpodcast.com, as well as on social media, the big four major ones, Threads, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can check them out at Pantheon Pods, as well as the Hook Rocks on all four of those platforms. Please check us out and like or subscribe to whatever social media platform that you follow us on and also like and subscribe and follow whatever podcast platform you are on. We've had a tremendous start to the year. We just wrapped up January with some great episodes. We started off the month, the year with our top 25 albums of 2023, a two-part special where we break down the top 25 albums of the previous year. Everything from rock to metal to blues rock to whatever, uh, it's in there. And we're a little bit different than most publications you read when you read their year-end list or they post their year-end list. We actually talk about rock music and not made-up rock music, like people trying to define music as rock music. We focus on, like I said, metal, rock, modern rock blues, rock, all that stuff. And you're going to hear bands in the episode that you're not going to see on other lists because, quite frankly, the other lists don't know what they're doing. So with that being said, we've had some other tremendous guests. We had Todd Damakerns from Slash with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. We had the Gems, a great band from the Sweden, from Sweden, uh, who just uh, left Thunder Mother last year and have put out their new record. So please check that out. Sophie Lloyd, the guitar player from Machine Gun Kelly, visited us. Joe Satriani talked with us about the upcoming Sammy Hagar tour and the G3 tour with Steve Vai and Eric Johnson. And we also had Scott Holiday from The Rival Sun, so please check that out. And Tuck Smith, the outlaw, as I like to call him, of rock and roll, of modern-day rock. Great interview with him and his story with his new single that he just came out with, plus some other interesting great episodes. We talked Robert Plant and why he's never considered and wanted to do a Led Zeppelin reunion tour. We talked with Sydney Taylor about touring with the Winery Dogs. We also talked with Christine Eagle, our music industry insider, about Live Nation and Ticketmaster Monopoly, as well as ChatGPT and TikTok in the industry and the impact that it's going to have, as well as Pantheon Podcast and What's the Future of Music Podcast. We had Christian Swain, the founder of Pantheon Podcast, on. So, Check all those episodes out. It's been a wonderful month, and there's more to come in February. Like We're going to start the month off with my next guest, which is a, in a band, or who he's in a band, that I've been waiting for new music. I know a lot of people that follow me, a lot of people that I connect with and trade messages with have been waiting for this. We've got two singles, which... One was released the day, the day that we're recording this album, or I'm sorry, this episode, one that was released about a month or two ago, and I cannot wait because it sounds absolutely phenomenal. They're a band that I've loved ever since I heard them. Credit to members of the Groove Council for helping me discover this band a few years back. The band is Black Smoke Trigger. They're from New Zealand. I'd like to welcome Charlie to the show. What's happening, man? How are you? Hey, Jay. I am doing great, man. Thanks. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome. Doing great. Glad you're a part of the show because I cannot wait to talk about the new music you guys got because 
It's been anticipated by the group of people that I've encountered and I've talked with. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long time coming. Um, you know, we worked incredibly hard on this new album. I can't wait just to continue releasing song after song. And of course, you know, we've got the full album coming this year. And, um, and, you know, as always, because, you know, so many people found us through, you know, caught in the undertow and the crazy underwater music video we did for that. We wanted to do at least a couple of crazy videos for, uh, for, for the, these new singles as well. The videos have been great. You know, the, the creative genius behind them really is, really helps you stand out amongst all the bands globally that are out there playing rock music. And I think that's very important because it does kind of help people remember who you guys are. Yeah, well, th- that's the thing is for me, you know, like first and foremost, it's, it's always got to be about the music. But once the music's done, what can you do to supplement it? What can you do to take the, you know, the vision or the emotion that, you know, you're trying to portray with the song and just take it to another level? And then, so that's what we really did with, you know, Cord in the Undertow, where I literally managed to convince the band that it was a good idea to train to hold our breath for minutes at a time and to train for cold exposure to film this damn thing. Um, but, you know, the, going forward to, you know, the first single off our upcoming album that, you know, we released uh, just in October last year, The Way Down is just, you know, that one, we added obviously a whole bunch of, uh, you know, comedy into the video, but then obviously the actual very real crazy element of us actually performing on the top of or the top outside ring of the tallest building in the Southern Hemisphere. And of course, I also somehow managed to convince this building it was a good idea for, to jump off the thing with my guitar, which I'm amazed actually happened. But it, it turned out that uh, it made for a great video. It certainly did. Certainly did. You mentioned the first single, The Way Down, and also followed that up with Perfect Torture, which everyone that I've spoken to since it was released today has absolutely fallen in love with it. It's an amazing song. Thanks, man. Yeah, that one really developed out in the studio. That was a a really interesting song because, you know, like working with uh, producer Nick Raskilinex, I remember we were playing it and... (laughs) <laughs> just in the room and then he goes I got one for you what if we made the verses acoustic and I was thinking what like you're crazy because at the, at the time we had it like the, the whole song was was pretty heavy and pretty, you know, pretty raunchy and then you know he was like just trust me on this let's just try it and then of course you know when it goes into the you know the pre-chorus and just starts to build and then you know we decided to build up that tempo and then it, it just made that chorus just completely unleashed we continued just to you know build upon it and it, you know it it really came into a life of its own well what's really let's talk about that like let's talk about the studio because when we first talked we had talked about working with Michael Wagner in Nashville and obviously since then he's retired and you also were able to get the board that he used to as well, which is really interesting. And what was this decision or how did you make the decision to select a new producer for the new music? Well, you know, it was, it was tough to, to go from, you know, having such a great experience working with Michael and, and, you know, we just learned so much to going, right. So, you know, who is someone that, you know, obviously we can take all of the lessons that we'll learn from Michael and go and learn on top of, 
you know, and to develop, to continue to develop ourselves as songwriters and, and as, as a band. And when we were listening to, you know, great rock records, I remember the first time that I ever heard the new Alice in Chains, you know, that like check my brain when that came out. And I was just like the, the production on that is to me, some of the best that there is in, you know, in rock music production, um, you know, like a, a looking in view, like if you just chuck that on, you, you know, just crank it up. It's just, it just sounds so heavy, so punchy. And so that was like the first thing of like, who did that? I need to know who did that. And then of course, you know, we, we, we just started listening, just, just started looking at, you know, these other records that, that Nick had done. It's like, okay, I love the way that that sounds. I love the way that that sounds. I love the way that that sounds. And, uh, you know, it, it just became very apparent that he was going to be our number one choice. So, you know, we spoke to our manager and, uh, you know, he reached out. We, uh, we, obviously we're based here in New Zealand. So we just jumped on a zoom call, you know, sent a few songs over and, um, and yeah, we just, you know, we got on really, really well straight away. And, um, you know, we became, you know, really great friends. And what was interesting was that originally, because effectively we were kind of like testing out a new producer, we thought, well, we'll just, we'll just record another EP. So we're originally planning on recording an EP, but we went in there with six songs as we got near the end of like the fifth one. Um, there was, you know, like a few little hiccups with like, you know, like, cause COVID was still around at the time. And then so like some of the members got COVID, then Nick got COVID. So there was you know, a few little delays there. We didn't actually get everything done before we needed to head back to New Zealand. And then as we were getting close to the end, Nick said to me, man, these songs are too good to go on an EP. Let's make this your first debut record. Go home. You need to go home anyway. Go home you know, flesh out the rest of these ideas you've got. Cause I like the, where these are going, bring them back and we'll finish the record. And then, so we came back home, we played a couple of shows here and fleshed out the rest of these songs and tried to get back. But unfortunately we got stuck in Mexico, um, which is a little bit of a, a wild story because the, during the whole pandemic and everything, the New Zealand, U.S. Well, the U.S. consulate here in New Zealand completely shut down for a long time. So when they reopened, they had such a backlog. And when we originally got in to record with Nick, uh, you know, U.S. attorneys got us in on, you know, work visa waivers and stuff because, you know, it's always tricky getting these visas rushed through. And then they said, look, there's plenty of time after you guys have done this first trip, we'll get it sorted. That plenty of time um, shortened down to uh, single digit days, and then they said, um, "All right, good news is we've got you a uh, an appointment. The bad news it's in two days in Mexico City, so get to Mexico." So we got there. We had to hand over our passports, and um, you know it was it was an interesting experience because we're like, "Wait," and Nick's like, "When are you guys getting here?" We're like, "Well." When, when we get our passports back, we're like stuck here. And then, so we got kind of got out like one by one, but then there was like, you know, Dan, our bass player, he had a, a, a family emergency. So he had to fly back to New Zealand. Um, Baldrick was his visa took a long time to get sorted because he had been a little bit of a naughty boy. So uh, unfortunately he actually had to go back to New Zealand down south through Chile. 
And then so we were in the studio. It was like just me and Josh. And we were like, okay, well, we're ready for the bass now. So we flew Dan back. He tracked the bass. And we're sitting there going like, we got these songs we need vocals on. And, um, and, and you know, Bordrick still wasn't in the U.S. And then so Nick said, all right, you guys got Wagner's gear, right? Is that set up? And we're like, no, no, not yet. We're sort of waiting until we can, you know, get a bit of a, a studio build to, to get everything set up. And he was like, no, screw that. If you guys set that up, I'll come to New Zealand. We'll finish the record in your house. And so I was like, okay, that sounds like a deal. Let's do that. So we, we came back to New Zealand, uh, set up like all of this amazing gear with so much history, uh, literally in the dining room of my house. And then we effectively turned the whole house into a studio. Nick came over for 10 days. From the minute he landed, we were just straight into it, right to the minute that we needed to take him back to the, uh, to the airport. But the, the last final piece of the record was finished literally the moment before uh yeah he he jumped in the car to go back to the airport so it was a whirlwind experience getting this record done man i tell you that is that is wild where did where is he based so he's based in nashville okay like a lot of other producers yeah 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 and i mean nashville's kind of you know obviously with michael being based there too it's kind of become a, a bit of a second home for the band we've spent a lot of time there yeah, I mean, that's really where the industry here in the U.S. is kind of migrating to. You know, for years it was L.A. or New York, but now, you know, country or it was a large, largely a country town for decades. And over the last 10 years, a lot of rock and roll people have moved down there in large part just because of that's where the industry is. And two, the cost of Los Angeles versus Nashville, although Nashville's starting to get a little higher. Um made a lot of sense for people to move to Nashville. Yeah. And I think it's just a really great city as well. I mean, it's obviously, you know, I love LA, um, being, you know, when we travel from New Zealand, it's, it's always the first stop, you know, like it's just the easiest flight to get on. And so we spend a bit of time in LA as well, but, you know, just getting to know Nashville and know the people. And of course, since the industry is there, you know, we've made a lot of friends and, uh, and so, yeah, so I think it's a really great place. And yeah, there's definitely that, that sense of, yeah, feeling like you're arrived home, the home away from home, you know, when, when I get there. When you think about this album and you just told me the story about the whole experience of it, I have to imagine with all the coming and going, with the band, you know, Nashville, Mexico City, this person's got to go back, this person's a visa. What was the strain or the stress like when all this was going on for you guys? And if there was stress, how did that push your creativity when you had to write these final songs? Well, it was one of those things where it felt like we were chasing like a chasing a horizon. Like it was like, we just couldn't get the damn thing done. And so that's why we ended up calling the album horizons. Cause it's literally this felt like it's <laughs> this impossible thing. And then, so it was, you know, it started out like it was like just this, something that was going to be so simple, so simple and so easy. We fly over, we record this EP. Of course, then the project grew while we were there the first time. And then, so it, it wasn't really until, 
that uh, you know that second trip when things started to go a little bit tits up, and we're like, okay, like you know, what is going on? It, there was a lot of uncertainty. You know, we knew that we were going to get the record done, but we had no idea how we were going to get it done. You know, um, a lot of people had you know for instance started especially over the pandemic you know to record remotely with producers um i i just didn't want to do anything like that i wanted you know i i just wanted to have you know nick have his full influence his full power on this record and so i wanted every single person every single you know guitar like every single bass track every single drum take for him to be like in the room deciding pushing and um because that's what he really did you know like he said he's like, i'm here to coach you guys and he pushed us so hard to get you know just the just absolute perfect takes on the song just to you know to stretch out creativity to you know just to take things to another level and then so it, as the songs you know developed in the studio the stress of the the timing kind of like it ended up adding to the intensity of, of a lot of the songs I feel because more so than anything, it allowed us to sit with things that we, you know, we're still working on for just that little bit longer or just add that one extra layer or go, Hey, well, why don't we actually try this? And, you know, like sometimes it literally meant that we scrapped entire, you know, pieces of, you know, entire pieces of like a, one take. We're like, what if we change this to this? And, you know, so it's like, okay, let's rearrange the vocals and, and, you know, and, and record it again. So it was one of those things that like, it was definitely stressful and intense in the moment. But looking back, I'm really glad that all that, you know, stress was there because it definitely, it pushed us creatively and it pushed us to get, you know, to get the right performance. And it also just you know, stretched out the time. The time to do it was a little bit longer than we wanted. But I think that, you know, the end justifies the means as far as this record goes. What were the differences in the producers that you work with? Obviously, Michael and, you know, was on the first album. What was the difference working with Nick on this one? Well, one thing that I do love is the fact that when... I actually flew back to Nashville to be in the room with Nick uh, after all this is after it was all recorded after he'd come here to New Zealand to actually uh, to to mix the record. And Nick had met Michael before, but that never really you know had a chance to sort of hang out. It's kind of more like a Nam sort of like, oh hey, you know, nice to meet you, love your work sort of thing. And you know, Michael had always mentioned you know he loved Nick's work, especially with Hailstorm, because Michael's a huge Hailstorm fan, and you know Nick has just absolutely loves Michael's work. You know, especially all that you know, just the obviously all that huge '80s stuff. You know, especially with Dokken and stuff. And so Nick said, "Are you catching up with Wagner while you're here?" And I was like, "Yeah, like I'm going to go to lunch. Like, do you want to come?" So I tell you, I had the most amazing experience being the fly on the wall having lunch with two of the most prolific producers in the world i learned like just so much even just during that conversation it was just amazing just watching them just back and forth and 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 nick's just like man so tell me what what did you do on master of puppets like you know like how did you get that reverb sound on on that snare and it's just like it was just so awesome just to watch that happen you know especially after experiencing both of their producing styles and i think i can speak you know specifically more as a guitarist 
you know, obviously Michael really comes from that whole thing of like, you know, the eight, from the eighties. And so I remember, you know, when we were recording with him, he said he had people come to him and say, Hey, can you get us like a, an eighties sound, like an authentic sort of, you know, like make it sound like come from the eighties. And he said, well, yes, because I don't know what, how, or anything, how to do anything else. That's what I do. So, uh, and then, so, you know, with that is, I think one of the, 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 you know, interesting things is when we're recording guitars is you know I, i'd record one take and then you know if i'm doing like an overdub um, with, the, with on another take i'd be like you know just really focusing to try and like lock in with that previous take and just get everything exact and if i didn't get it exact i'd be like mm, can i do it again after a little while he goes no it sounds good it sounds like you, you got two guitar players playing and then that's like, you know, going to be filling up and getting us a bigger sound. And I was like, okay, well that's that. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. And whereas Nick, you know, in a little bit more modern style of production, he was like so pedantic on making sure that the guitars weren't just in tune. Like they had to be like perfectly, perfectly in tune and then when we were layering up the sounds, he said, look, you know, we're going to be layering, layering these guitars up a lot. So everything needs to be perfect. And this is how we make this huge sound, you know? And then, so that was the, the interesting thing. And, you know, like it was, um, you know, Michael would sometimes be, you know, like more of like, just like, all right, like go for it. What if it went more something like, you know, this is like with guitar solos and that kind of thing. Um, where, Nick would really want me to, uh, to plan things out a little bit more, be, be a little bit more deliberate. And so it was like really interesting, you know, like learning from, from both of them and getting, you know, cause it's just, uh, you know, there's, there's many ways to skin a cat, as they say. And then, so it was, there were a lot of the things that, that, you know, were the same and a lot of things that, that were different. And so it, it's just such a, yeah, it's, it's definitely just a, a crazy, crazy experience, you know, working with both of them. And then so there was definitely differences, but it, it really felt like there is more in common than anything. You know, they both just pushed so hard to get what was going to be right for the song. Yeah, two different approaches. You know, like you said, there's many ways to skin a cat. That's got to be interesting for you. Working with both of these produ- producers, both recognizable. I mean, I'm very familiar with, more so probably familiar with Michael Wagner's work because that's my generation. But that's got to be just an experience in itself. I mean, there's the creative experience of making music and there's all these things that go into it. But then when you're sitting in front of a producer, how they absorb it and how they they want the audience to absorb it is really what the producer's job is. And to hear those different kind of philosophies are really interesting. And that's, I think that's really good for the band. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I really loved with Nick was that, you know, we'd be in a, doing, you know, pre-production of the songs. And so we'd be in, in a room just jamming the songs. He's just holding this, like just a single drumstick, just like walking around the room and just like, just, you know, totally vibing out with the song and he'd be like, right, stop, <laughs> try this, you know, or, you know, that kind of thing. And so that was, it, yeah, it it was, you know, like one of those experiences, especially like the amount that he pushed Josh on the drums was absolutely insane. We got this one song on the record uh, called Set Me on Fire. And 
the drum take that he pushed Josh to get in this is just absolutely ridiculous. And it, he pushed him so hard and he did so many takes that by the end of it, he had like pinched a nerve and his entire arm was numb. We had to like get like a masseuse in to like release everything because he couldn't even feel his arm, you know? So it was, yeah, it was great for the band because he, he just, you know, knew the potential of these songs possibly even more than we did and just did not stop. He was just relentless until we arrived at that destination for every single take. What was different about this album than the first EP in terms of writing and creating? When we were recording Set It Off, it really felt like it was kind of an ode to, you know, to our influences because at that point we had only been a band for, for like a few months, you know, it was, you know, me and Bordrick had worked together, uh, you know, a, a fair bit previously in, in, in different projects and Josh had sort of joined that, but this was like the first time we're like, okay, let's, let's go full out, write whole brand new songs and step into the studio. And then, so Michael had agreed effectively to, to work with us on the, the project that, uh, you know, just from, from the songs that me and Bordrick had in our previous, previous band. And then, so, you know, we're there just working like, uh, you know, every single day on these songs, coming up with riffs, coming up with, you know, with ideas. And by the time that we got to the studio, we still hadn't really finished a lot of the songs because we were still sort of finding our way, finding how we all worked together and finding, you know, just the, the the strengths of uh, of everybody's you know writing style and then so a lot of those songs came together on set it off in the studio and then after that you know we you know, we had some tours and then of course you know the whole world locked down for a while uh you know we just i feel like we really became who this band is because we just had had all of a sudden everybody in the world just had the time and we had the time to write songs and find the sound of what really is black smoke trigger. And then from that, you know, we ended up with, with a large number of songs that it, it very, it became very evident very early on with some of them. For instance, what was pretty crazy is the fact that the way down was actually the first song that we wrote after set it off. And it was almost like, as soon as we got that, as soon as we had that done and we listened to the demo, it was like, this is us. This is, this is where we're supposed to be heading now, you know? And then, so it was a very different writing experience. We, you know, everyone's coming in. The best part about this band is everyone can play guitar. So, you know, different guitar riffs are coming like, you know, left, right and center. And then we just, you know, got into the, into the studio here. We just jamming, recording the demos and, then, you know, Nick would just help us pick which ones were best for the record. So it was, yeah, definitely, definitely different. And especially even just writing a full album as opposed to an EP and just wanting that, you know, that journey. And so, you know, within this this album, we've got, you know, the, the really fast songs, the softer songs, the slower songs that, you know, we we really wanted this to not just be a collection of songs. We wanted it to be a journey that you're meant to listen through in a specific order. You know, not that everyone listens to albums these days, but I think that those who do will really appreciate taking the time to do just that when it comes time for that album to be fully released. 
Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. How did your perspective change after the first EP? I mean, that has a lot to do with, or writing has a lot to do with your perspective and what you're observing. Were there subjects on this album? Were there things that you wrote about that maybe you couldn't have written three years ago, four years ago? Yeah, I I definitely think so. You know, we went a lot more inward as far as the writing goes. There's a lot more depth, I feel, you know, within these songs, um, you know, uh, just for, for, for many different reasons, you know, so many things that happened in our lives between the release of set it off and, you know, the recording of, of our new, our new record horizons, you know, like, uh, the last song on the record, you know, I, um, I, my mom, you know, found out that she had, uh, you know, like stage four cancer. And then, you know, it's one of those things where like, you know, everyone always writes a song for someone after they die. And I was like, right, well, I'm, I'm going to write a song before that so I can show it to her, you know. So the last song on the record is, is called Promise. And, um, you know, it ends with like this, you know, beautiful classical piece at the end. And then so, you know, having that on there and, uh, you know, unfortunately, my mom did pass away a few months ago. I'm really proud I got to show her that song before it was done. And, um, you know, it's, it's like having things like that and then having – you know, for instance, the song Perfect Torture, you know, it's just about those intense loving relationships that are just, you know, not always the best for you, but you know that, uh, you know, it's worth it to fight through the storm, so to speak. And, you know, there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot more personal things touched, personal topics touched within this record. When you think about the band and you think about how you're, how you've evolved, you know, with the first EP into now, you know, it seems to me like you guys, there's no limit to what you're willing to do to make a record, right? There's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's limits, but creatively, like you're willing to go to Nashville, you're w- willing to work with top producers. 
How does that impact the future? Because you guys have set a bar for yourselves of what you expect from the band. That has to continue, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, the 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 key thing that you know that we are we are always focusing within this is just doing better, becoming better and growing as a band, growing as musicians, growing as songwriters. You know, we never want to do the same thing twice and we continuously want to get better and better and better and better. And I think that that's one of the, you know, the the beautiful parts about being a human is to me, it doesn't even matter what you accomplish in the past. You know, like uh, it's, it's about that, you know, experiential thing of, you know, who, who you can become and, you know, for us to improve this band, it, it takes every single individual in this band to, you know, to work on their craft, to hone their instrument and us collectively to, you know, to, to be co-writing, to develop our own songwriting and, and, uh, and everything. So it's, we want, you know, we feel like this, this next record that we've done here is, is a step up from, from set it off. And the next one, we want to feel like that's a step up from this one. And then, you know, so on and so forth. And so, you know, it's like that doesn't seem to to happen with every single band. And I'm sure that, um, you know, uh, we, we'll come across, you know, it's, it's, it's something at some point we'll go, okay, yeah, maybe that, uh, maybe, you know, this possible horizons might be the best record that we ever do. Who knows? We'll, we'll wait to see. But it's, it's just about that striving for us. You know, we just always want to strive to do better than we have done so that we can put on the best live shows and play the best possible songs that we can so that people enjoy it. You know, we're playing music that we enjoy, music that, you know, we write music we enjoy. And all we want to be able to do is just, you know, share it with as many people as we possibly can. Being that you guys have gone to the U.S. to do both albums, what's the likelihood? I know I ask this question a lot to bands that are overseas and outside of the U.S. What's the likelihood of you guys playing in the U.S. and touring in support of the album? Well, we're actually trying to get that sort of right now. We actually did have... um some shows booked in. Uh, unfortunately, COVID, um, the, <laughs> which is, you know, sort of definitely we're seeing the tail end of it now, uh, got in the way of that. Um, but, you know, at this stage, we've got a tour supporting filter through New Zealand and Australia. Uh, we've also got an announcement uh, later today, actually. Um, so the listeners definitely want to check out if they're listening from UK and Europe. Um, we're going to be heading over there in May and then. So at this stage, we're even if it's just a few dates, sort of trying to get stuff happening, you know, in the middle of this year. Um, and, you know, that's definitely a main focus. You know, we've got a lot, you know, when we look at, you know, for instance, our Spotify, it's, we get, you know, a lot of streams from the U.S. And again, it just kind of feels like a second home. So we'll definitely be there playing at some point soon. I hope so, because I think that'd be awesome. I think, you know, with your style of music and what you guys have done, um, I don't think there's any limits to what you guys can do. Uh, yeah, I mean, the first two singles are, are fantastic. This EP was fantastic. The album, you know, is anticipated by a lot of people. And I think that I know there's I know there's costs associated with coming to the U.S., especially visas and applying for all that stuff. I and mean, I've talked to. I, I was talking to a member of the band 1000 Mods, which is a stoner rock band from Greece. 
and they were touring the U.S. over the the summer and early fall, and they were talking about the increase in cost from the last time before the pandemic happened. And I don't know why the costs have increased. I don't. I don't understand why, but yeah, I mean, it, it is a real thing that exists for bands that are coming. It's very expensive to to tour the U.S. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that's starting to you know. I I don't know the same as you. Like you know, for instance, why cost of you know everything is going up, but I think it's one of those things that you just have to focus on you know, what you can control as far as a band, you know? And then, so for us, it's like, right. The things that we can control is, you know, trying to have cool merch uh, that, you know, for instance, that people want to buy and, and engaging with the fans so that they, you know, if they're like commenting on our, on our stuff, telling us that they like it, it's like letting them know that we actually hear that, you know, that we actually see that. Cause I think that that's a part of this, that, you know, people don't necessarily, um, you know, some bands, not all bands, but, you know, some bands don't necessarily go put that extra effort to say like, hey, thanks. And I can understand where it comes from because I remember, you know, a, a, a long time ago when I used to think, oh, no, you don't want to be like replying to comments on, you know, on social media or stuff like that because, you know, like we want to seem like we're a big band. And it's like, well, uh, you know, the reality is that if you're a, a band that started out in the last decade, then you were at some point very much likely the guy that was clicking the upload button and you've got access to the YouTube account. So you can still go in there and say, you know, someone says, wow, you know, like, uh, you know, we're reading through the comments of the song we released today. And then it's just like going through and just saying like, thank you for listening. Cause it, it means a lot to us. And then, I think it's just giving the fans that recognition means, well, they're probably more likely to check out our next song and they're probably more likely to, to buy a ticket and they're probably more likely to buy a T-shirt if they know that we're actually saying, thank you, we see you, we recognize you and we want to thank you for the support. You know, of course, like any band, there's, we, there's nothing without the, you know, without the fans, you know. I know that I'd be playing guitar, I'd be writing songs if no one listened to them, but the fact that people do listen to it is fantastic. And then so, you know, when it comes to the, the cost of touring, you know, it might mean that, of course, you know, you're not necessarily going to be able to, you know, make a huge amount of money. But the main thing is if you if your art can facilitate enough to, you know, be able to do what you want to do. In our instance, work with great producers, record where we want to record, play live shows around the world, then that's that's all that matters in the, at the end of the day. Have you made any inwards with PR, management, booking agents in the U.S.? Well, our manager is L.A. based. We managed, um, uh, we signed a management deal with Andy Gould, who he managed, you know, Linkin Park, Pantera, uh, Rob Zombie. And so that's definitely opened a lot of doors. Uh, you know, he, he really was uh, instrumental in helping us get Nick to be producing this record. Um, we uh, represented by K2 Agency in uh, in UK, Europe, New Zealand, Australia. Um, and then so, you know, they're, they're doing Metallica and Iron Maiden and that kind of thing. So at this stage, you know, we we got great people on our team. You know, this um, publicist with like, you know, Cosa Nostra, 
PR and then so you know we, they've got us some great features in you know Classic Rock magazine this month and um, you know Guitar World magazine for you know the top tracks of of the month when we release the Way Down. So I feel like we're starting to really get momentum. You know we're getting momentum not just here in New Zealand but you know everywhere in the world. You know we're starting to see the numbers grow. We're starting to you know just even seeing the comments come from you know just countries that. We never thought we'd even reach, you know. So it's it's really cool watching everything grow, and I think that it's only going to you know continue more and more as we you know announce more and more tour dates and as we you know release more and more singles, which we got a lot coming. As far as the band goes, and as far as where you're at, I always like to ask this question every now and then. Coming from the EP with the new album out in May, singles being released. Are you happy where the band is at? I'm going to say yes and no. Reason why I'm going to say yes is am I incredibly proud of this record that we have recorded and it's starting to release now? Yes. Am I incredibly proud of the music videos and the visual components that we have that go along with this record? Yes. Am I stoked with the tours that we've got coming up? Yes. Do I want to do everything bigger, better, you know, bigger, just everything? Yes. So that's the point that 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 would be, you know, the no. Because this whole thing that we, the reason why we do this is that, you know, it goes back to that whole thing of just wanting to continue to grow, continue to do things bigger and better. And, you know, I, I feel that there is, you know, there is nothing more important for me as an artist to be creating music that I like. But if it just so happens that it's the type of music that a lot of other people like, well, hell, I want to be in front of as many people as possible. You know, I always find it funny when bands try to say like, oh, it's fine. We like playing smaller gigs. You know, it's like, yeah, well, if you had a choice, what, you know, smaller or bigger gigs, which one would you pick? So, you know, for us, it's, we just want to keep pushing, man. We just want to keep pushing, playing the bigger, better shows. You know, like the bigger the show is, the more we can spend on production. We don't want to just be up there playing songs. We want to put on a fucking show you know and that's just this whole vision for this band is just to just to push the boat out as far as it possibly can we want to have the most fun with this that we possibly can while making the music that we love well as far as the roadmap goes when you look at where you're at if you talked about the vision right now are you are you at where you think you're supposed to be with your vision well i think it's interesting you know like they you know, they, they say, you know, like, you know, you, you don't get what you want in life. You get what you are. And so I think that for right now, I think that that's, you know, we're, we're in that exactly where we're supposed to be. Because if we, you know, for instance, we're anything more than this, then, then we'd have the evidence to show it. And so we're in this situation right now where I feel that we're going to be living as a band in a very different world when all of these songs are being released. And, you know, that may not be the case. We might release this, this record and people might go, okay, yeah, I like set it off better. So, so time will tell, but for us, we really feel like we, you know, we have the right team on board to get 
the, these songs that we feel are the right songs in front of as many people as possible. And so, you know, all we, we can do is again, just control what we can control. And, you know, with these, the, these tours that we got coming up, you know, obviously we're a support band. So it's our job just to get up there and just, you know, just show the world what we got. And if people want to come along for the ride, then, uh, then, you know, it's going to be an awesome journey, you know? And so I think that's the, the exciting thing for me is just to think about the fact of, you know, the fans that we have now are really just seeing us at the start of this. And with the vision and, and the work ethic that we've got, I'm sure that, you know, we're going to be having a lot of, you know, experiences down the line that we end up meeting fans that say, guys, I was there since Undertow. I was there since the way down. I was there since the perfect torture. And so, you know, it's exciting to see that the, um, you know, just the, the super fans that we're creating now and to think about, you know, if this goes where we want it to go, uh, you know, just that the experience that they're going to be able to have by just simply joining and watching us go along with it purely because we do post so much on social media. We do want to be sharing. We do want to show the behind the scenes of everything. Your excitement for this music is obvious. What specifically excites you about the new music, though? Well, for me, it's just listening to it. You know, when I when I put headphones on, if I crank it my stereo, you know, it's it's music that I vibe to. It's music that I like. You know, I remember you know seeing Dimebag you know, on a video talking about, he goes, man, I, I never got it when, when bands didn't listen to their own music because it's like, well, if, if you're not going to listen to it, then like, why should anybody else? And so, you know, this is uh, like, I'm creating music in this band and, you know, we all are collectively writing songs that we want to hear. And then, so these songs just genuinely excite me in the same way that, you know, that we're listening to Pantera does. And then so the only difference is that not only uh, is it possible to put it on the stereo or for it, for people to, to, you know, stream it on Spotify or watch our music videos is we get to go on stage and perform this stuff live. And that is, you know, just it's, it's just an exciting premise. The fact that we get to, you know, get up on stage performing songs that we like and, you know when you got people in the crowd singing along to songs that you've written and they're just absolutely loving it. Like that's just experience like, like no other. Was there a lot of frustration with how long it took to make the record? Yeah. Like I think possibly more so with, uh, one particular member of the band, um, who is, uh, Dan, the bass player. He is, crazy crazy good he's like a savant when it comes to music right and he lives for the stage he lives for performing and because you know for instance in the studio it's like the you know like we're, we're adding all sorts of layers and you know like we, we have all like the entire band is collaborative so we are like you know really working together to create different stuff but as far as you know laying down the bass tracks it's like in this whole on process that took like a year, it's like, okay, bass tracks, like two, three days, you're done. You know? So he's just sitting there like, I want to play live. I want to play live, you know? And then we did, we got some, you know, touring opportunities that, um, you know, that, that came up that 
that we did turn down. You know, and there were, there were big touring opportunities, but they just it didn't feel like that was right for us. You know, there was one that was like you know thirty shows through Europe, and it was like ah, uh, it's this is just not quite right. And I th- I'm glad that we held out because now you know, for instance, I'm really excited about this announcement that we're going to be making later tonight. Um, and you know, I feel like we've got bands you know that, that you know match up well with us as well. But I could definitely you know. Dan was definitely frustrated with just the length of time because, you know, I felt like I could see where, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel as far as like, okay, this thing is going to be at a top tier quality. And I think that this is going to open all the doors, which it is opening all the doors now. But yeah, Dan was just like, all right, <laughs> where's the gigs? Where's the gigs, man? You know, so there's, there's definitely a bit of frustration, but, uh, you know, I think it was all worth it in the end. What was behind securing michael wagner's board well we're obviously we're recording with michael and he's you know given whispers that it, it's it's time for him to hang up his hat yeah, like i remember him saying that you know he you know was never had a day off you know it was just like recording like six days like six seven days a week for like you know 30 40 years and then so he said that it just got to the point where these bands would come in and record and then they'd leave and they'd go tour the world. They'd go see the world. He's on to the next band. Same thing, same thing. And he never got to see the world, you know. And then so uh, obviously he's from Germany, so it's seen, you know, already more of the world than a lot of people had, <laughs> you know, just being in Europe. But it was one of those things that while he's saying that he's looking at retiring and I'm just standing there in this amazing studio i'm going i i said what are you going to do when you hang up your hat you know with all this gear and he said oh you know i'm going to sell it and i'm not really looking forward to that and you know i was like okay um well when you do retire let me know and um you know, and, and I, 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 if it works out, I'd, I'd, I'd like to to have this stuff because it's like if, if we could set up, you know, a world class studio here in New Zealand that was just ours, um, that would allow for things like what did happen, like Nick with Skill and X coming over to record, you know, in my house. And then I didn't think it was going to happen so soon, but then of course once the pandemic hit, then Michael goes. All right, I'm selling. Do you want it? And I was like, oh, uh, kind of not in a position to, you know, to, to get it. And then, um, he, he, you know, there was some stuff that was, you know, extremely sentimental to him, you know, just like a couple of guitars and, and, and a couple of microphones and stuff that he said he wanted to keep. Um, and then, uh, you know, there was like, uh, you know, like one particular, amp that uh the scotty from skid row wanted and you know so it was uh there was a, a few little bits and pieces but then the rest of it he was like look here's the deal i don't want this studio to be split up he said let alone the idea of actually trying to sell every single piece individually he said if you if you if you will take everything you know i'll, I'll do you a deal and I'll just chuck it in a shipping container and I'll just like send it straight away. And I think it was a little bit painful for him because, 
you know, this was like the, the this was gear, you know, like he's got stuff that recorded, you know, not that he recorded Van Halen, but he's like got this, you know, like preamps that recorded Van Halen at Amiga Studios. And he's got, you know, like uh, rack units that, you know, inside there are components that recorded the Beatles at, at Abbey Road. And then so he gave us the blueprints to his studio, to his control room. And we have all of the furniture in there. We have got the, the rack units. And then so this stuff just literally just came over, you know, on a boat. And, um, you know, like it was, it, it was a, a very large um, investment. But, you know, I literally have pieces of history that, you know, just that you can't be replaced, you know. And then Michael's just said to me, do not sell anything keep everything together and it's like okay like so it's uh i i hope that um i don't ever end up um strapped for cash i have to sell a kidney before i sell one of uh, michael's rack units you know but um it was it was just one of those wild experiences where it was just like you know the first time i, I remember the first time i ever walked into that studio you know this is before uh, you know the first time meeting michael i had no intention i never thought that we'd even be working together um, just a, a mutual friend, Ariel, was introducing me, and I just remember just being absolutely blown away. Now to think that I've got all that gear at my house, uh, it, it 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 still doesn't actually like make sense to me in my mind just yet. That is incredible. I mean, that's like a that's like you have like a museum in your house. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man, exactly. Have you done any recordings with? people local to new zealand that wanted to you know get into the studio have you done that or is it just so far just been with black smoke trigger yeah so far it's just been with us man because we've got like uh you know right now where the gear actually is is like it's it's in the dining room it's my house now it's it's a decent sized house but it's still like in the dead center and so we've like everything's kind of squeezed in there and we got like you know, when Josh is like slamming drums, this is literally where we practice. It's like, you know, in the dining room of my house. And then so it's it's not really set up right now to, uh, you know, for anybody to, um, you know, to, to come and record with it. But, uh, you know, I am looking at doing like a separate build. I, I really want to, you know, just put this stuff in, you know, effectively recreate, you know, Michael's control room and put this stuff in a in a purpose-built building that is designed specifically for it. So, you know, I'm just you know, working hard and I cannot wait to the day that, that it, it's set up. And I, I really hope that um, that when it is, that we can actually get Michael out here because, you know, we, we're going to be effectively in, in a lot of ways making a carbon copy of his control room. And, uh, yeah, he said he's just really excited to see it. You know, it's like, you know, it, it's going to be crazy if we can pull it off. To make it look like Michael's studio, it's going to feel like going through that door is going to be like, uh, you know, <laughs> just transforming your way instantly to Nashville. It's going to be crazy. That's going to be cool for you guys, too, because you recorded your first EP on this, right? And then here yes. you are coming full circle because of circumstance to finish up the album on this board and, you know, with a replica of the studio that you did that in your own home in New Zealand. That's, that's, that's really wild. It is, man. It's, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction. I mean, like, you know, if you, you couldn't write this stuff, it just, you'd be like, Oh, that would never happen. Surely. You know, I mean, if I read that a few years ago, there's no way I'd believe it. That's an amazing story. I mean, it really is. I mean, to have that historical, room basically in your house and then to fly the u.s and 
things happen where you couldn't finish the record and you end up finishing at your house with that. That's that. I mean, I can't even, I'm trying to grasp that. That's pretty wild. Yeah. And it's awesome to think that, you know, even within New Zealand, you know, New Zealand's so far away from the rest of the world. Obviously, you know, we're kind of close to Australia, but as far as the world goes, you know, we, we're a long way away from everywhere. And, you know, one of the first things that struck me when I was, you know, in the US and like going to, you know, US guitar stores is the amount of vintage gear that's there. And it's like, well, of course, you see vintage gear in New Zealand. It's like you're finding a dinosaur bone or something that's like this crazy rare, you know. And then so to think that like not only do we have this gear, but we have it here in New Zealand and this, you know, I mean, it's literally got new in the name, you know, and then so it's like, it, it's absolutely wild. You know, as far as like gear goes, we've got one of the best studios in the country in my damn living room. That's amazing. Someday there's going to be an archaeologist like Indiana Jones searching <laughs> for vintage music gear in New Zealand, and they're going to come up. You have to booby trap your house, basically. <laughs> Funnily enough, when the gear actually came over, it was, you know, because it had to be so protected. It was like in like these like, uh, you know, crates and stuff like that that have been, like, been banged together to protect it all. And like when we opened up the truck with everything in there, it just literally looked like, <laughs> like yeah, it was something out of Indiana Jones movie straight away. The new album is out in May. The first two singles are out on all streaming services. When's the next one come out for you guys? Uh, next one's coming out. We got, uh, next one's called Proof of Life and that is going to be late February. So, uh, I can't remember the exact day if we're going, uh, it's either going to be the, uh, it's probably 28th, probably 28th, might be 21st, but, uh, yeah, that one's called Proof of Life. And, um, yeah, that, that video is, is quite fun too because, um, you know, obviously we've done a lot like you, you, you've seen the first two, they're quite high production value. And this one where we were kind of like, you know, let's, skeleton crew this let's just do this you know raw dirty fun and um so we actually did this in my garage of all places it doesn't look like a garage but uh but when you check it out it's it's got a lot of energy this is the, the heaviest song on the record so that's that's the next one you got to check out when it comes when it comes out charlie thanks for doing this man i appreciate it hey thank you so much for the invite jay great talking I can't wait for the album by Black Smoke Trigger. Horizons out in May. Check out the first two singles that are out on all streaming services. All the band's information, where you can find them on social media, their website, all that stuff will be in the show notes. So while you're listening, click on that stuff, and it'll bring you to those pages, and you can check them out and follow them on social media. You can pre-order the album when it comes out, too, as well. It's a great band. Uh, I'm so glad and feel fortunate that Charlie visited with us today. Because I've been wanting to hear this new album, this new music by this band since the first EP back in 2020. Once again, I'm Jay Scott. That's Charlie from Black Smoke Trigger. This has been another episode of the Hook Rocks New Music Spotlight. Take care of each other, stay safe, and we will talk soon. Thank you. You take one step closer and I forget my best. Intentions You You Try me Closer Gravity Slips away From me Lines Lines you Weave Over
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 